Brian Duncan, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, joining us on WMAY. Welcome. Congratulations on the new role. How are you enjoying uh, moving up in the, the world of Farm Bureau? Rich Giebert had the job for a long time. Uh, how are things going? Well, pretty uh, pretty good, and, and good morning. It's great to speak with you. Um, y- yes, I don't know if I've had time to enjoy anything. It's been nonstop uh, busy uh, working on behalf of the members. But uh, I had six years uh, uh, as vice president, so you know, pretty familiar with with what we were going to be doing and trying to do as an organization. Yet we're we're undertaking an awful lot here, as, uh, right from the beginning. So, well, but farm, it's good. It's very. Farm good. Bureau is jumping right into it this year with a proposal that would increase the threshold for the estate tax uh, under under state law. Uh, it's currently decoupled from federal law. Uh, tell me about your proposal and why it helps farmers. Well, uh, the Family Farm Preservation Act has, has, uh, is fulfilling a longstanding policy objective of the Illinois Farm Bureau, and that is to seek a revision and an improvement in the uh, estate tax exemption. Now, ultimately... Illinois Farm Bureau would like to see uh, the estate tax eliminated, but we recognize that politics is the art of the possible, and this is something that we think is a very good proposal, very fair proposal, and very beneficial to Illinois family farms. And that's who this is targeted at, and uh, that is the heart of our membership. Does it really make an impact with with the number of farms that are uh, owned in businesses now, and and you know whether it's it's uh, Schedule C's or, or S corps or those sort of things? How, how does it really impact farms when when so much of this is on a business tax level at this point? Sure, but no matter how you structured the farm, Patrick, uh, census data shows ninety six. The most recent census that I just looked at yesterday is 95, but between 95 and 96% of Illinois farms are family farms. No matter how they've structured themselves for their best business use, at the end of the day, there's a family that stands behind that farm. And uh, this this bill that raises the exemption from $4 million to $6 million and starts at $1 over $6 million, not $1 back at $1, uh, is is pretty significant. You know, it's a 50% increase, and it's a significant uh, development and help for those family farms as they transition to the next generation. Brian Duncan, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, joining us on WMAY. Uh, the the federal exemption is currently somewhere around 13, 14 million. Um, it's it's scheduled to come down though. So do you see this kind of if if this passes, do you envision this coupling, or do you think we're still going to be Below the federal threshold. Wow, you're asking me to look into my crystal ball, and well, that's I don't hard. have one. I we don't, don't know have Washington's one. I wish I tomorrow. did, or I would have sold all my 2023 corn crop. Um, I, I think we will probably. I don't know. Okay? I, okay, I don't know what the future holds for that. My guess is we will remain decoupled, but this will be. This is a precursor. We will be having these same discussions. As we as we uh, want an extension of the current federal exemptions, like you said, that are due to sunset, and so as we work on Illinois first, but we know uh, doing this work on the federal level will be before us in another year. 
for folks that, you know, I grew up on a farm, though, in a, a totally different era than what what farmers are, are doing today. Four million, six million sounds like a gigantic pile of money. But put into perspective, if you would, land is $10,000 an acre. You know, a tractor is two, three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 for a combine. You know, these, these are real assets that add up pretty quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and, and they're, they're the base assets of a business. And yes, I mean, in land, land, I'm afraid, Patrick, I've heard a lot of higher sale prices than 10,000 an acre that you quoted. And so it's, this is, this is hitting a mid-sized family operation, these estate tax um, requirements. And that is, you know, farmers, farmers are happy to earn a middle, uh, a middle class income, but we need a base where we do require a base, uh, a pretty valuable base asset to do that. And if that base asset becomes subject to taxation at a high enough rate, you farmers are faced with two choices. You either sell a piece to meet the tax uh, requirements, or you re-leverage the farm to pay the tax and go back into debt again. Neither one of those is a desirable outcome, and then that, Im- that impacts the viability of the business moving forward. Either you have fewer acres or a debt burden. And again, putting the family farm in jeopardy. Brian Duncan, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, joining us. Uh, there there will be pushback on this idea um, because, you know, in, in a popula- a state of 13 million, you know, there are only but there are also a lot of rich folks that could – uh, benefit from this, the the trust fund babies uh, that that would some would argue take money away from schools and roads and bridges and things that that are required to keep the state running. Uh, is is there a way, or should there be a way to carve out farmers and not other people, or or is it enough to offset in your mind? Well, let me. So you asked a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions in there. Let me say first of all, I tend to do that. Done- sorry. As we talk about pushback, this is a bipartisan supported bill. We have leadership, both parties, both sides of the aisle, both houses that are on board with this. This is crafted in a way, again, the preservation of family farms. And one thing I would add, the the farms are uniquely different. That base asset, when purchased, was not depreciated. It was purchased when with after-tax income, okay? So the dollars that went into paying for the farm were already taxed. Now, other businesses, you know, when, when you mentioned other, other entities that, that might have pushback, a lot of those businesses depreciated their plant, their, their equipment. Uh, all the things that make up their business base were paid for with pre-tax dollars. So I would argue that farm families are in a pretty unique situation when it comes to how we pay for our base asset and how it's handled from a taxation standpoint. Brian Duncan from the Illinois Farm Bureau is our guest. Uh, Brian, you're a hog farmer. Um, you know, <laughs> we 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 uh, uh, we don't smell you from here, uh, thankfully. Uh, but <laughs> yes. uh, Thank you. Uh, but the 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 idea of of Prop Twelve, which is a, a bill in California that uh, that that would essentially um, 
really limit the sale of a lot of pork products in in that state. There's there's a similar, I think, bill related to chicken in Illinois this year. Uh, I know it's a bill you've been heavily uh, involved in, and you know it would have impact on 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 consumers and farmers alike. Tell me what that is and why people should care about it. Sure. Well, Prop 12 was a ballot initiative ran by the uh, by the Humane Society of the United States, uh, an organization committed to ending animal agriculture. By the way, and it passed in California uh, three years ago that that makes that bans the sale of pork products in California unless say the the gestating female is housed with an arbitrarily determined 24 square feet of space arbitrary not science based and but it's not it's not all pork products pre cooked ground mixed pork are not subject to that so it's a very challenging bill to implement uh, but that 24 square foot is is much larger than peer reviewed scientific veterinary applied data and the the production practices used on most farms most most hog production farms in the current in the country that it was challenged through the courts. So ultimately, went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upheld it. And I could talk for hours, but let me just say this: There's no, I have not seen a piece of legislation that causes such damage on multiple levels. First of all, the animals are damaged. Hogs are a very aggressive animal, and the more space you give them, the more opportunity you give them to harm themselves, their pen mates, uh, the pregnancies that they carry. The producers who work with these animals are put in danger with these square footage requirements. Um, the environment is, you've just increased our carbon footprint. 30% more space requirement than, than industry standards. That's a, a bigger carbon footprint that will be hard to mitigate. And then consumers are damaged in California. Pork is running about 30% higher price. The data that I've seen in California since Prop 12 was implemented Jan 1, and consumer choice has gone down. If consumers want to go shop at a place and buy uh, pork that is raised to these standards, have at it, voluntary, I'm all for it. But this is a bad precedent where a state can mandate production standards on other states and will lead to interstate commerce chaos. 